3: You're listening to the Fuck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Team, welcome to the Freedom Hunt Tuesday, June 21st edition of the program. Uh, we have no major Supreme Court decision today. Roe v. Wade still continues on. We're waiting to see if it is overturned, but we're watching that very closely. We also have... More information on the law enforcement response to the shooting in Uvalde, the mass murder of children in Uvalde, and we'll tell you about what we have learned. Uh, plus, voters in Alabama, Georgia making selections for congressional runoffs, primary voters going to the polls in Virginia as well. Talked a bit about the political state of play. And the New Yorker tries a hit piece on DeSantis that just manages to make him sound cooler. So we'll get into all of that in just a second. But Tunnel to Towers Foundation is amazing. I'm a monthly donor, and my girlfriend Carrie just did a fundraiser for them a couple weekends ago where she walked all the steps of the Freedom Tower. And I'm just telling you, everything, every person who gets involved with this organization says they're doing amazing work for our heroes, our veterans, our injured first responders, uh, and their families. So when a responder, a first responder or military service member doesn't come home, young children are left behind. Tunnel to Towers pays off their mortgage to lift the financial burden and bring their family stability. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling our most severely injured heroes to live more independent lives. And now through Operation Homebase, Tunnel to Towers is gifting tiny homes to homeless veterans. Our nation's heroes, people who put their lives aligned line for our country and our communities, they need your help. So you can help these heroes and their families. Join Tunnel the Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, t.org. So we have been promised uh, more information in recent weeks about the uh, horrific uh, mass murder of children by a deranged gunman in Uvalde, Texas. And I watched this morning live as the Texas Senate Committee to Protect All Texans went through the latest information, the step-by-step of what the law enforcement response to this whole situation was. And I uh, have to tell you that now more than ever, I am, I am uh, beyond a doubt in that the law enforcement response in this situation was unacceptable. Uh, there were major errors made. I understand there are going to be a lot of people who say, no one's perfect, it's Monday morning quarterbacking. Okay, but there's also, that that's something to keep in mind when people are uh, carrying a badge and a gun to serve their communities. No one's expecting them to be superheroes or to be perfect. But there is a level at which we could all agree that catastrophic failure needs criticism, right? I mean, a- anybody who has a... A familiarity, for example, with what happened at uh, at at Waco years ago during the Waco standoff, I think would say that the FBI made serious errors, uh, to put it mildly, serious errors in in judgment, and somehow the entire facility burned down. Many many children were killed. That was a horrific uh, law enforcement error there. Um, and in this instance, I think we have to say. We have to be honest when we say that the law enforcement response was—I um, think the best way to say it—is catastrophic and unacceptable. They—and let me tell you why. Well, first off, here is from the uh, from the committee this morning the a a soundbite that I think summarizes the primary problems with what happened from the law enforcement perspective in Uvalde. Play clip twenty-three. The law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there were a sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. On-scene commander, he says here, and this is one of the uh, Texas state senators running this committee, on-scene commander put the lives of law enforcement officers above the lives of defenseless children. You heard that quote. You heard what is being said here. Now, I understand, for those of us, I mean, I have... uh, my my mother's brother is career, not just law enforcement. Foot patrol actually never took a, never wanted a promotion. Never took a promotion. Uh, I worked alongside as a civilian analyst, members of the NYPD intelligence division who were sworn law enforcement with decades of service. I I respect what law enforcement does uh, as much as anybody can possibly respect it. I mean, I I I hold them in very high regard, and they are the front line of holding our society, our civilization together against many forces of anarchy, destruction, and death. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we are not going to criticize law enforcement when it is deserved. And here is why we now know there there can really be no doubt that the law enforcement response was uh, insufficient, is not strong enough. It, it was unacceptable, catastrophic failure. Because they had Within a matter of minutes, multiple officers on the scene and they this is on video, folks. So you can see the still shots, multiple officers on the scene with long guns and they have you know bullet resistant vests on and even tactical shields. In fact, they had multiple ballistic shields on the scene with officers in the hallway And the door wasn't even locked, but no one tried it, and they kept assuming that the door would be locked, and they couldn't get in for some reason, and they sat and they waited. The gunman fired while the officers were in that hallway. It was still active gunfire, and they waited. A teacher made a call while the gunman was in there to beg law enforcement to do something, and they waited. And they waited and they waited over an hour, over an hour. Children were bleeding out in that classroom. I heard I heard the during the hearings, I said, well, it wasn't reasonable to believe that any of the children in that classroom were alive. Who makes that determination? It's absolutely reasonable to believe. And there were children. There were children who at that point were alive because they made phone calls. And one child who made a phone call was executed right away for doing that by the evil mass murderer in this case, right? Trying to get help. I don't understand. I'm going to tell you this, okay, and I get it, and I, I respect our door kickers, whether they're military or law enforcement, as much as anybody can. I have seen, I have seen door kickers in action, in real time on video, in theater. I won't get into more details about it then, but I've watched what these guys can do. I know what they do when they go into harm's way. And I've been there when the news has come in real time that one of them isn't coming home. And I'm sorry, but what happened in that hallway with those cops, with the command on the scene, and I think they're going to blame it all on command now, is completely unacceptable. If you are not willing to use your weapon, against a mass murderer of children if you're not willing to bust through that door come what may and showed and 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 go toe to toe with an 18 year old by the way without tactical training you know this is this isn't like a, a a rogue terror cell that had been training in the mountains of Pakistan for months and understood explosives and close quarters battle and n- none of that this is an 18 year old lunatic and these law enforcement officers, they, they had the same level of firepower many times over that he did. And they had tactical vests and they had ballistic shield. What's the point of a ballistic shield? By the way, I believe at one point they had three of them stacked up in the hallway. Nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. You know, you could say, oh, well, we don't, you know, it's not about blaming people. Well, let me tell you this. After 9 11, it became very clear to the American people that if someone at the front of the plane is holding a knife to a pilot or a stewardess's or a uh, airline attendant's throat, saying, don't worry, we're just going to land in some country and negotiate. Every person on that plane knew going forward and knows to this day that every person on the plane must do everything they can to overtake that terrorist. Whether, you know you know, physically trained or not for those situations. Old ladies with walkers after 9-11 knew they need to be swinging that walker at the head of the terrorist. all hands on deck, because we saw what they did on 9-11. The, the attitude that should exist within law enforcement, and I believe it does exist, which is why this is, I think this is aberrant. I think this is, you know, 1% of law enforcement agencies you know less than that would react in this way but this is what happened you know i think if this were happening in you know in new york or la or miami or chicago or phoenix and you know we have a we have officers on the scene i mean i know we have so many brave officers who served in iraq served in afghanistan and they they know what it is to be in the gunfire they know what it is to have to use their weapons i think they go through that door Without uh, without a, a second thought for the danger to themselves, because there are literally kids, children dying. So how did this happen in Uvalde? Well, there was a massive error in the command decision making when they decided to treat this as a barricaded subject instead of an active shooter. They set up as though they had a perimeter, they needed to negotiate, they needed to bring in a a, a full-on SWAT team, as though somebody was locked in a room saying, I'm not coming out, if you come in, I'm going to shoot you. That's not what was happening. There was a psychopath murdering defenseless children, children who were still uh, uh, still being shot, still bleeding out, still alive while they were waiting in that hallway, and that they applied the wrong tactical doctrine and this has come out now from the uh the minute by minute rundown of the situation. So, I understand there are a lot of people, a lot of conservatives. They're the the impulse is always to back law enforcement. They're they're doing a dangerous and often underappreciated job. I share that sentiment. But I don't back the blue no matter what, and I don't think other officers do either. I know they don't because they've called in already. They've told me They've said, Buck, it's embarrassing to the law enforcement community what happened here. The doctrine is active shooter, you go. And I'm sorry, for anybody who says, oh, well, you don't know what you would do. Yeah. If you're not willing to go when there's a classroom full of children being murdered, you should not be carrying a weapon as a law enforcement officer. Full stop. So I don't know why. Some people almost who aren't even in law enforcement take this personally. Maybe they just know internally that they don't have the intestinal fortitude, and by the way, a lot of people don't, and that's okay. But you can't be a law enforcement officer. You can't be a, you can't be a cop if, when people are being murdered, you're saying, "Well, until we have fifty on one odds here, and there's no chance any law enforcement officer is going to get hit, we gotta wait. We gotta wait while innocent people die." So this this is a failure that will be studied for years to come. A total. Uh, abandonment of what was learned at Columbine, a total abandonment of uh, the doctrine here that when there's an active shooter, you eliminate the threat. And every cop I know, and I know a lot of them, say that's what that's what happened here. I don't, I don't know anybody in the law enforcement community who says what happened in Uvalde was by the book from a law enforcement response perspective. Not one. So we have to face reality with this stuff. We have to be... Uh, honest with ourselves about how this all went all right obviously a big switch in gears here uh, but voters in alabama and georgia are making their selections in the congressional runoff allison spanberger facing a challenge in congress in virginia look i'll just say this for right now some really interesting candidates and if you live in alabama uh georgia and you're involved in these congressional runoffs or if you live in virginia just know that these are all the these are all going to be pretty tight races and every every vote counts it matters your vote matters and that's just you know the, that's the way that it needs to be going forward in everybody's mind don't think oh i it doesn't it, it's not going to make a big difference oh i i can stay home not only should you should you get out there and make sure you vote in this election but you should tell other people that you know are on the fence, get out there, vote, do it. Um, So there's that. And then also the New Yorker hit piece on DeSantis. I hate to drive traffic to the New Yorker, but I will say that this was the whole thing. It's like Ron DeSantis didn't party a lot and he worked really hard at Yale after coming from a middle-class family in, in Florida with no ties to elite Ivy League institutions. And he just wanted to help pay off his student loans so he got jobs and was really focused, but not partying and, like, not that cool. And I sit here, I'm th- i saying to myself, Ron DeSantis, that's as cool as it gets. Ron DeSantis was a man who was driven, who was focused on the mission, was being a real man at a young age. Uh, the New Yorker thinks they're making him seem aloof, making him seem awkward, doesn't love the retail politics. I read that article, and I thought, man, Ron DeSantis, we need more of that. We need more people, men and women, who take that approach to public service and to take that approach to um, their futures and, and have that degree of focus. And uh, just one more thing I'll tell you. I saw this uh, story about a a wedding that was disrupted by a, by a, uh, a weed whacker, and they had a neighbor's weed whacker, and they, they couldn't even hear the vows because the weed whacker was so loud next door. I'm just going to say this to you right now. We, we are in a battle, friends, between the considerate and the inconsiderate when it comes to noise. People with Bluetooth speakers at the beach, people who think their mufflers should sh- uh, sound like a nuclear explosion has gone off. People who uh, talk on speakerphone, on FaceTime, at restaurants, uh, who think giving their kid an iPad in a restaurant without ear- earphones is okay. And the uncivilized and inconsiderate have been winning in recent years. We need to turn that around. All right. We need to win the battle against inconsiderate noise. So join me in that in that struggle as well. But more on that another day. Thanks for hanging. Shields high. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. the number two, t.org.
0: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts.